the Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and I want to start this week by welcoming back Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? I'm doing great, man. As always, glad to be on with you guys talking about Doctor Who. Uh, and hope everybody's having a great week. So glad to be here. Indeed, indeed. Glad to have you here as always. And glad to always be able to say, welcome back, Lee Shackelford. Mr. Shackelford, how are you? I'm so glad. Oh, that's, that was the other show. That, yeah. Yeah. Mixed streams here. Yeah. <laughs> and we've not had our musical episode like we did on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Yes. But I believe that one of our friends over there said that the Doctor Who musical is inevitable, and I kind of think he may be right. So Ah, we shall see. Mm. So, gentlemen, it's been a little while. Just a little bit of time has passed since we've recorded, maybe three or four weeks. Missed you guys. Glad to be back together discussing Who. So I don't have any news Doctor Who-wise, but I do have an interesting and funny story from our friend and listener, Tina Mullen. And she writes this on Facebook and says that she was ordering some Doctor Who merchandise from Hallmark. And I think what she meant were the little Funko Pops that um, if you're looking at the video, you can see behind me, there's a Missy in the top uh, left-hand corner, those little things. So there was, so basically she was ordering some Doctor Who merchandise. She called her local Hallmark. She placed the order, and then the clerk called her back approximately 10 minutes later. She knew that she ordered five different Doctor Who items, but the clerk only had four written down. Can either of you guess what Doctor Who-related character was missing from the five items that the clerk forgot to write down? I feel like I'm taking a test right now. Yeah, <laughs> not, not without more information, I don't think. All right, so I will say this again. Ordered five items. Okay. The clerk forgot to write one of them down. What was See, the one that the clerk forgot? Was it a, 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 the silence figure? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> okay. It's either got to be that or a, the memory worm. <laughs> he didn't have his gloves on when he touched the memory worm. I'm like, where are we going with this? I'm so good. That is perfect, and that is exactly what happened. Tina goes on to say that the item that was missing was the silence, just as you guys said. She started laughing and asked the clerk if she was kidding. The clerk did not know what she was talking about and apologized for uh, forgetting to write write it down. She then she explained. Yes. yes. She goes on to explain why this was so funny, as the clerk obviously had not seen Doctor Who before. She thanked her for the story and said she would definitely be sharing the story with other Who fans. Hence, she let us know, and hence, we're letting the masses know. Awesome story. Awesome, awesome sauce. <laughs> Thank you for that. That is the kind of story you can't make up. Exactly. So, Clarence, if there are anyone listening or watching, and they are interested in making sure that they listen to us, number one, but also in how they could reach out to us, how would they do that? Yeah, first of all, thank you for watching or listening right now. And if you want to hit us up, you can hit us up at Discussing Who on any and all social medias. Hopefully you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, but also make sure you subscribe to our uh, podcast feeds where you can, you know, get a get a dose of us every now and then when you're podcatcher. <laughs> no more than you want. Just just, <laughs> just, just, right just enough. Just enough. Just enough. And we we keep knocking on the door of 300, so we, we've had less content this year because of scheduling, but we are knocking on the door of 300 and will obviously surpass 300 this year. But, Lee, you also have something that you like telling people. 
who are listening and are watching, and that might be what? Well, always just uh, thank you. Thank you for taking this time because we know you got other things you could be doing. And um, yeah, we just appreciate you spending the time with us. Indeed, indeed. So we don't have a review per se tonight, but what we are going to talk about is a retcon. And we all know that retcons have happened in Doctor Who as well as other medium. So that is going to be the focus of our discussion tonight. So I want to start out by talking about what is a retcon. So I spent some time before we got started to look up some various definitions. And so let's start from the top. A retcon is short for retroactive continuity. It is liter it is a literary device that excuse me, it's a literary device that refers to the act of changing a fictional narrative by introducing new information in a later work. The new information retro re recontext blah 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 blah. Retroactively? No, well, something like Recontextualize that. Recontextualize this. There you go. That's there you the word. It, it reformats previously <laughs> established events and characters. It goes on to say that um, an example, which I thought was really poetic and appropriate, an example of the use is we're given a retcon of Wilf's absence from Doctor from Donna's wedding and the runaway bride by saying he had the Spanish flu. So there you go. So, gentlemen, I have a question for you. And, Lee, I'm going to point this to you first. In media, and this could be audio fiction, this could be comic books or literary fiction, or this could be on the screen, big or small. Are retcons necessary? Boy, that's a good question. Um, because, yeah, define necessary. Um, I, I think a lot of us as fans, we, we appreciate it because we know that something doesn't jive somewhere. And if someone can come up with a brilliant explanation that actually um, makes it all right, uh, I, I always appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, necessary? I don't know, but appreciated? Sure. Okay. Clarence, do you think retcons in various media are necessary? Hmm. Um... I don't know. I think a certain amount of retconning is done in our brain. <laughs> We're trying to figure out like how something I uh, may have heard of may, may have happened on a particular show. So um, I think it's necessary in the sense that it it gives more meat to the bone, as you like to say, Mr. Jones. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely when you're wanting to see something in a slightly different view or maybe just totally different from what you imagine the, the backstory for a particular character or a particular show to be, I think it is very necessary in those cases. If the, especially if the author, author is trying to, or the writer is trying to um, push the story in a particular direction. All right. So I'm going to stay with you, Clarence, and put a question that I didn't originally have on my list, but I'm going to ask it based on both of your responses. Are retcons, if they're not necessary let's just say that they are is there a difference between a retcon and a reinterpretation of the character and let me tell you an example of what i mean the way the mcu and the movie verse from the comic books for me that is a reinterpretation of yeah. the comics not a retcon it doesn't take away what the comics lore. So there you go as far as an reinterpretation. Are, what distinguishes from a reinterpretation? Maybe I just answered my own question, but what distinguishes a reinterpretation from a retcon? Thoughts? Yeah, and I'm also thinking like what, distinguishes a retcon from just telling a part of the story that the authors never or, or the writers who never told um, mm -hmm. what just because there's a, a black box sitting there 
isn't necessarily rep, retcon because they choose to tell that story now. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think I'm kind of fuzzy on that point. Yeah. If it's, if, if, if somebody comes along and tells a story that changes the way you see that character, the events that have happened in the past. Yeah. Is that, is that a retcon or is that just, we're telling us we're just disclosing new information. It's just, yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, I guess we, I don't know if I'm getting, if I'm getting off the rails here, Kyle, let me know. No, keep going. Uh, but the, the recent Book of Boba Fett series, and I'm sure a lot of Star Wars fans had a particular um, mode or, or idea of how this character should operate in their mind. And also there's, and maybe this was retcon because there's been comics that have filled in some of the gaps. So um, when you get into, and maybe we can even talk about this, this this A level or beta level canon, and and what uh, uh, what is superior to the other. So you definitely have a lot of cases, and even in, in this happens in Star Trek a lot too, where you have books or comics that have filled in the cap the gap during dark times or off season, and given us backstory for a particular character, but then they come in and the, the the top level, whether that be the movies or the TV show comes in and, and changes that totally. Like uh, for me uh, in particular, there was a great, there has been a couple of great Star Trek discovery books. And one of them was covering the, uh, it was covering Michael Burnham and Spock going out on an adventure. And this was after season one of discovery. So Spock wasn't on Discovery yet at that point. Oh, oh. And, and there was this, this great adventure. Somebody, uh, it may have been David Mack, wrote this great book about Burnham and, and, and Spock on an adventure. I loved it. Clever writing, one of the best Star Trek stories I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And then season two comes and they forget about all that happening. They write a totally different story with Spock. And uh, that book is basically just dead for all intents and purposes. It's still out there, universe, maybe. Yeah, you could, I guess you could say that. But, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's a very good question. And again, I'm trying to piece in my mind what is actual retcon versus telling the story versus, I guess, again, when you have this beta level canon, um, it it could truly be a retcon if people are looking at that that book and comic book canon. Oh, <laughs> well, you, you know what I'm thinking about is um is Superman. Um, originally, uh, we were told that people on Krypton are super heroic. They're, they, they are, they look like us, but they have powers and abilities beyond those of mortal men. Now there's only one left and he's living among us. Mm. Somewhere along the way, and I profess to know the history, but I, I don't know what happened, but we said, no, (laughs) they're just like the rest of us. They have a red sun. And it turns out that if you take a Kryptonian and expose them to a yellow sun, which if you know anything about stellar physics, that's anyway, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't make that much difference. But now he's got superpowers, and that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, does that change the character? Does that change anything about story? Um, it, it opens story possibilities. You know, yeah. That we're going to, you know, put him under a red sun or we're going to, you know, things like that. But, you know, so let's sort of retcon. So speaking of Superman, the original Superman per se, the golden age Superman could not fly. Right. He lived tall business, able to leave tall business. Right. So, and he was, and he was not invulnerable. No. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, that sort of gradual, gradual retconning with with Superman, but then I think this is closer to what you're talking about. Then we had this um, wonderful time in the '80s when John Byrne was had just they just handed Superman over to him, and he said, "Let's just back up and rethink a lot of this stuff." Mm-hmm. And for one thing, wouldn't Clark Kent be this massively muscled guy? And how do we explain that? And he he had a very reasonable explanation. 1986's The Man of Steel. The Man of Steel, yeah. And yeah. I, I, I love those comics because it felt like they were really taking those things 
seriously. The first time Lois comes to Clark's apartment, he's got this tremendous uh, weight set in there. And she's she's there picking up one of his hand weights. And she says, well, I always wondered about that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> of course, you he's got a home gym, you know. You look like it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was just for show, but it made sense. So what in your mind, and Clarence, I want to go back to you. What makes a retcon successful? Mm. Ooh. Um, so I'll go back to, to Doctor Who with this one specifically. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what is considered a retcon in the Doctor Who world because I don't really read a lot of the big finish stuff or haven't read a lot of the novels. So to me, the TV is prime. What we see on the television is 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 canon, and what they give me isn't necessarily a retcon, but um, it does recontextualize <laughs> um, um, how we see see some of the characters. So I don't know if I'm going to Doctor Who. I mean, I, I think I, I don't know if I want to give Kyle's big example here, but what was done recently with with Chibnall and then the the Timeless Child, I think is is a prime example of. Um, Maybe a retcons to people's thinking of what um, the original line of doctors has been so far. Um, and then I can definitely see if we have these people that keep regenerating, there may be some backstory we don't know about. Um, or maybe there's more regenerations that we don't know about. But um, basically making, <laughs> basically the doctor is the Jesus of the time. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, which is a totally different tangent you could go on. So <laughs> I don't know, man. Did I answer your question? I feel like. Yeah, I- no, 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 you did. You did. Because I wanted your opinion on your thoughts. And Lee, to you, what makes a retcon successful? I feel like if there's, if as an audience member, as a fan, if I've started having lingering questions about something and then uh, that a, a writer artist comes along and says, here's what really happened. And I go, that explains it. Yeah. Mm. I'm happy now. You know, to me, that's a successful red. Um, there's, there's things about the Star Trek calendar, for example, that I still don't fully understand, but I accept them because they did this embarrassing thing on the original series when they said that the Khan and the rest of his super soldiers have been put into suspended animation in the 1990s. Well, you look at him and you think, well, that means he's alive now, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. In 1967. You're like, hang on a minute. Um, and, and that also means that we better hurry up and develop not only interstellar travel, but suspended animation in the next few years. But we're going to have this, um, this the, the Earth divided into warlords uh, between now and then. Well, none of that happened, thank God. But that leaves now Star Trek with the problem of you know, the earth wasn't ruled by <laughs> um, yeah. mutants. And so what do we do about that? Well, somebody writing the novels had this idea about how to slide the 23rd century a little further away from the 20th century than, they, than it had been. And, um, and that seems to work. So we're not, we're not troubled by that anymore. That the third world war is still in our future. So, you know, I, I consider that a successful retcon then. No, that works. Right. People are still arguing about why uh, in Wrath of Khan, Khan recognizes Chekhov when Chekhov wasn't in Space Seed. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you if you want to fight about that, you can. So give me, and Lee, I wanted to point this one to you. Give me an example. And I think you've started this a little bit in one of your previous answers. But give an example outside of Doctor Who, in your opinion, of a, is a retcon that worked. Yeah, um, yeah, re-explaining the the dates for the, you know, the the Third World War and all that stuff in Star Trek does seem to work to me. I'm a little embarrassed that that's my example because I don't remember what the explanation is or how it works. Um, and um. And you asked us about this, you know, a week ago, and I said, "Yeah, I need to spend some time coming up with a really solid example," and I haven't done it. Well, yeah, well, I didn't gave, do my homework. Well, but you gave the Superman earlier, which yeah. is 
actually the one I had written down was Superman flying. You know, that that yeah. was so not in the original. So what about you, Clarence? An example outside of Doctor Who of a retcon that worked. <laughs> worked for me, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get to define what work means. Man, I don't want to give another Star Trek one, uh, but I think that's the one that's at the top of mind. Um, I don't know. Why don't you answer that, Waka? <laughs> yeah, well, super, well, Superman, and actually your lack of being able to answer that question honestly is consistent because I've asked that to a handful of people. I've asked the pro and the con of this, and it's interesting, and I think it goes back into our earlier question of what makes a retcon successful. You forget the retcons that are successful because yeah. you accept them. Well, well, well here, here's one that worked for me that I know you guys hate is, is Clara falling through time. Um, and to me, it really doesn't make a lot of difference to the story of the Doctor, but I just thought it made for cool scenes with Clara <laughs> yeah. in the Doctor's background. But is that a retcon? Yeah, kind of, because she's the one who tells him to choose the TARDIS. I know that makes everybody mad, but she's the one who tells him to choose uh, the TARDIS that he chooses. And she is uh, running all through his history. Um, so, yeah, for me, that worked. For me, and I'm coming from a familiarity where I don't really know the classic as much. So for me to see that character running around with the classic doctors, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So it worked for me. But the larger audience, nah, not so much. <laughs> I actually think it worked. And yeah. I think it worked in the fundamental part of spoilers. She wasn't known slash seen because they, perf they purposely make the comment that he almost, he never sees me, well, almost never. And yeah. then the 11th Doctor, you know, sees her. And that's that, the snowman story. But for the most part, she wasn't acknowledged. She wasn't known. So you added a layer with the example you gave, but you didn't take away from any of those stories that she impacted. You just now know a little bit more about the story. Hence, going yeah. back to making successful, you accepted it. We accepted yeah. it because it didn't break. It layered. Yeah, and I know you said not Doctor Who, but that's, that's what I got <laughs> Got <laughs> it raises an interesting point too because my sole objection to the idea of, of Clara being sort of scattered along the Doctor's timeline um, is that uh, I prefer the explanation in the Doctor's wife, the, the the Neil Gaiman story, that the TARDIS chose him. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So so the show offers us in canon. Two explanations for why the doctor has that TARDIS. <laughs> and I just like the other one better. Within a so, year or two of each other, even right. that. So um so does one of them negate the other? I, you know, I don't know. Um the TARDIS and Clara could either one be wrong about what happened. Uh, it's just what they choose to believe and what they're reporting. <laughs> so I don't know. All right. So I want to take it to the you know, opposite, to the negative. We said of an example of a retcon outside of Doctor Who that worked. Give me an example of a retcon outside of Doctor Who that, in your opinion, failed. I actually have three examples. And I got it. Oh, good. I got it. Okay, go. Clarence, go for it. Um, so there was this movie called The Wolverine, and they had this character called Deadpool in it. Um, <laughs> and again, I guess this was not a retcon to that universe at the time. It wasn't a retcon mm -hmm. to the to that Fox verse at the time. But um, you had a Deadpool that looked very different from the Deadpool all the fans know and loved. You know, he had the Merc with the mouth didn't have the mouth, and people hated it, <laughs> obviously. So yeah, I, I think that's a case where it failed miserably, miserably, and they later fixed it in the Fox universe. So no, good for them. They retcon the retcon. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> Lee, example for you. Retcon that, of a retcon that just does not work. Yeah, outside of Doctor Who. Right. I really have failed to do my homework on this one because I know there's examples. I just can't think. I thought of another example of one that does work. Okay, but, uh, go for it. It's just all out of sequence. 
Um, in one of the Sherlock Holmes stories, uh, Dr. Watson is married and his wife begins one of the stories by saying he, he's got a call to go out as a doctor. She says, oh, oh, James, do you have to go? This is just the author not paying attention. What's his name is John. <laughs> well, no less a person than mystery writer Dorothy Sayers took took up the challenge, and she said, we know that his name is John, and we know that his middle initial is H. We've never been told what his middle name is. I think he has the fine Scottish name Hamish, from which one could conceivably draw the nickname James. <laughs> His wife calls him James because his middle name is Hamish. <laughs> and that has become practically Sherlock Holmes canon. When you see people <laughs> writing out his whole name, they write it as John Hamish Watson. Wow. Because it, it explains that apparent consistency. Yeah. That's yeah. a backflips to get there. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is a little mind teasing, but yeah. So yeah, that that may be an example of one that doesn't work. If your if your response is "Oh come on," <laughs> but yeah, but but Sherlockians have have embraced that one. So yeah, look, whether it actually makes sense or not. But 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 do you guys see this tapestry that we're seeing that's weaved between this entire conversation, which is we accept the ones that we like, we reject mm -hmm. the ones that we don't like, whether it's singular, uh, meaning me, you, and right. you, or if it's the mass consciousness. And here are three examples I have. With Marvel Comics retconning the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver as not being mutants, not being Magneto's child or children, simply because at the time they did not have the rights to mutants and they wanted to have them in the Avengers. So the comics retconned that. I don't like that. Staying with comics, much of DC Comics' new 52 initiative in 2011 made many of the characters unrecognizable. Therefore, a reboot or retcon, though. There's, there's yet another. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good point. Now, this, I think, will be a, a true retcon. And Clarence, I'm pretty sure you haven't seen this. Lee, maybe. I was a kid. I remember watching this. Bobby Ewing returning from the dead at the end of Dallas season nine. Yeah. So, so Lee, would you like to share with Clarence what happened and how they explained Bobby returning? I was just aware of it culturally that that there that people were kind of up in arms about it, but I was not watching the show, so I didn't. So the actor Patrick Duffy, Patrick Duffy left and was killed off the show at the end of Dallas season eight. They had Dallas season nine, and sometimes, sometime within the span of that season, and the ratings were plummeting. Powers that be reached out, agreed, and and Patrick Duffy said he would return. They were unsure of how to bring him back. So therefore, at the end of the season, Bobby's wife wakes up to Bobby in the shower and realizes, oh, the entire season was a dream. The entire season. The entire season. Season, eighth so, season of Dallas. Yeah, yes, entire not not just his death, but everything that happened since. Yes, too much. So you had to bring back people <laughs> who had left the show. You had to let go people who had been brought on in that season, and the fans had to forget everything they had watched over twenty something odd episodes right. to have him. That is to me the perfect example of a failed retcon. <laughs> To be beaten only by the uh, the new art show, yeah. new art, yes, in which we learned in the last moments that the entire series has been a dream. Point taken. Yeah. What? But yeah. But, but that was a joke, and and you know I, I think we all got a good laugh out of it because you're probably fans of his previous series, and yeah, they they reappointed the bedroom set from his original from the Bob Newhart show and had him wake up in bed with Suzanne Blanchett, his wife from the previous series and said, I just had the strangest dream. Oh, wow. 
I was so, in the and in New Hampshire or something, yeah. or Vermont. You should wear more sweaters. Yeah. Um, but that's a joke. And and I think for a lot of people of a certain age, it was a joke about Dallas. <laughs> but so that uh, came after the Dallas. Yes. Mishap. Yeah, the years later. So it was sort of like, yeah, we're, we're winking in the direction of how, how stupid that whole conception was on Dallas <laughs> that whole season. Yeah, thank God Doctor Who's never done an episode where the whole episode was just a dream. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Spoilers. Spoilers. All right, so question. Since 2005, for Doctor Who, can you think of another retcon to Doctor Who canon other than the timeless child? And Clarence, you've already mentioned Clara going down the Doctor's time stream. Lee, do you have one? Where is the Eye of Harmony? Where is it indeed? Uh, according to the classic series, it's on Gallifrey, and all TARDISes are connected to it. In the rebooted series, we learn that it's in the TARDIS. So, okay. Um, and I remember that when, when uh, I guess that's, I can't remember now what episode we, in which we, we established that. But um, but I remember when we discussed it on this show at the time, I said, well, it's dimensionally transcendental. I think that it's on Gallifrey and it's in the Turks. You know, what's the problem? You know, so, but that's my reboot or an associated concept I was actually about to ask you guys about. How do you think headcanon relates to this? Because that's a new word in the dictionary. Yeah. Mm. because every fan has got their own interpretation of events, and sometimes we make up things in order to bridge the gaps or to retcon things to our own satisfaction. And, yeah, that's my headcanon about the Eye of Harmony. And then uh, sometimes I I think there's a shared headcanon. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that makes any sense, but, well, (laughs) the, the, the same ideas have kind of been reverberated between different YouTubers, podcasters, and it's just kind of accepted though not official, kind of the accepted canon for a particular event. Yeah. That's not really been documented. So No, I I know I think you are both spot on because I think, Mm. you know, I'm I have fun saying sometimes it's my reality and I choose to live in it. You know, but that's headcanon. I mean that's That's your interpretation. And, you know, as a collective, think about how many times the three of us tend to agree in what we're watching and maybe because of the fact that we know the likes and dislikes of the other two so well, perhaps. Yes. So for me, my other example was the War Doctor. Yeah, I was thinking about that one. You know, to me, the, oh, that is the perfect example of layering canon without breaking Doctor Who canon. Mm-hmm. You you know you explained it in a way that didn't invalidate something, yeah. but you enhanced it and yet still had it. So he still exists. He's he can be explained, but he doesn't break. So now we come to the question. Well, can can, can I add another one? Yes, sir. Please. Um, and I know Cal. I know you love this one. And it's since been proven to actually be a canon thing that could happen. You know, we first saw the fourth come back as the curator and, you know, says sometimes maybe revisit some faces. I was, ah, they just threw that in there for a happy, happy little, you know, anniversary thing. Like they'll never do that. No, they won't do it. And, and since, and since spoilers, if you're not up to date, I don't (laughs) know. We see that the doctor really can and does revisit some faces. So, um, for me, at first, I thought that felt like a maybe not a retcon, but more of a story explanation just to get this old character back. Yeah. And, and since has been proven canon going forward from that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. I never forget a face. I know you don't. And in the years to come, you might find yourself revisiting a few, but just the old favorite, say. Yeah. So there you go. Yes, and and very good point. It 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 is. And but see that is using, and 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 Chibnall did this whether it was already decided 
who was coming back or not, it you took something that was stated and then layered it. Again, I, I know I keep using the layered, but to me, I think that's what really is good about a retcon is if it doesn't destroy, it layers. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I like that. The pitching definition of destroy. Yeah. You can peel away the layer and you can still have the base still there. You, you know, you, you can exist without whatever retcon you put on top of it. But yeah, uh, you're reminding me of uh, things that don't work now. I, I'm, I'm about five minutes behind you with this whole conversation. <laughs> but um, I, I, Star Trek V asks us to believe that Spock has always had a renegade brother that he has never, ever mentioned in any way, shape, or form. And I, I just kind of left the theater going, no, no, <laughs> just no. So I'm not willing to go any further with that. Discovery asks us to believe that he has, in addition, a sister that he's never mentioned. And I said, no, absolutely not. I'm just, no. But I have to ask the question, once they gave you an explanation as to why he never mentioned her, did that change the no? No, it didn't, because I didn't buy the explanation. I always say, I'll just give me an explanation, but. It does have to be. Yeah, I mean, the, the, name, the same for Savak, but it didn't work for a lot of people either. I think people believe, believe that more than the, the Michael Burnham thing. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I think I'll go with Cyborg before I'll go. <laughs> it's definitely a stretch. Yeah, but it's still a stretch. But see, this is a perfect example of headcanon. I accept the Michael Burnham thing because I don't have the headcanon that you do for Star Trek, the way, um, you know, I I lack that. So it was easier for me in my headspace to say, oh, that's cool. So that explains yeah. it. Now I know okay. why. Yeah, right. Whereas for you, it's a little bit more difficult because it's broken. You know, it goes against what you have established for so long as the truth. That's right. So... Yeah. Speaking of breaking the truth of what we've known so long to be the truth, we all know the timeless child. We're not going to rehash what the timeless child is, but I have a question, and you can elaborate as much or as little as you want. Should RTD retcon the timeless child? Clarence Brown, you're smiling, so it goes to you. Yes or no? Retcon the retcon. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I think you run into a problem when you have too much of this. Um, each showrunner coming in and putting their own stamp, but um, changing it in a way that might be better for the fandom or better for them. Who knows? Uh, you know, if we want to talk about another example, we can talk about the Star Wars sequels. And how uh, Ryan Johnson came and did an episode eight that was universally, well, not universally, half of the people hated it, half of the people loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and you had Abrams come back after the first movie. He comes back to the last movie of the trilogy and kind of just pretends a lot of stuff didn't happen. Yeah. So I, I, I think you get into this back and forth. Um, should he, should, should he totally undo what Chibnall did or should he finagle it, finesse it into something that works for everybody? Maybe say, yeah, I I think there's room to finesse it, but I think to totally outright say it didn't happen or it was a lie, I would probably be a little miffed if they said it was a lie that Dr. Lies or something like that to to explain it off as well. So uh, finesse it, finesse it. That's what I want. All right, Lee, what say ye? Well, I I have been, my attitude about the timeless child has been uh, nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. So, but but Clarence has got me thinking about this. And I think, you know, I think the man is right. If we we get a future Doctor Who story coming up soon, where we just say that was, that was the master, which is my explanation. That's my headcanon. Because this whole thing is some kind of a manipulation of the master. Um, 
that that would feel like just sort of like vengeance when it just sort of feel like RTDs come in and saying, take that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Mm. I still wouldn't be sad, but it might seem petty. Um, but yeah, if there's a way to do it that is really intriguing and respectful even to the to the concept, then that would be be that could be thrilling. Um yeah. I just wanted to go away, that's all. Yeah. It just So I think what's going to happen is I think we're just going to ignore it. Well, you know, we've done and, that before. So. And just move forward. You know, I'm not saying that's the right thing, but honestly, having lived through the Chibnall era, <laughs> I would rather RTD focus on not correcting something or redoing something from Chibnall's era and tell his own stories. Mm, sure. You know, I'd rather, if I'm getting a story from RTD, I would rather it be for the purpose of advancing Doctor Who, not trying to sweep up what I personally, in my head canon, call a cluster from um, Chibnall. Yeah. That's my thought. But 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 can you advance it if you choose to ignore it? I mean, there's all these hanging chairs or things that have happened in Doctor Who, which we are farming our own headcanon to figure out what actually happened. Right. Um, I think the granddaughter thing might be the biggest thing, but there's things throughout Doctor Who that haven't been resolved. And I think from from, you know, not being that familiar with the classic, I think all of those are kind of small in comparison to what Chibnall did to the canon. So would ignore would be would to ignore it be saying that we choose to accept it? I think we'll just be saying that you accept it. We just yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Very good. Yeah, I think I think ignoring it is accepting it. Yeah. Mm. Very so good. He's he's kind of. St I think he's he's stuck with having to respond to it in some way. Mm. So, Clarence Brown, I want to ask this one to you. How would you, not how you think RTD, but how you would retcon the timeless child if you were writing? I would nuke it from space. <laughs> no, no um... I think they were going down an interesting path with this parallel universe thing. Uh, I'm not really a writer, so I don't know how you would make that work. But I think something to do with this parallel universe thing that we saw um, at near the end of, of Chibnall's run, I think that could be used to, I wouldn't want to reset everything, but it kind of could be used maybe to um, cleverly explain some of the things going on. You know, I'm not the writer, so I really can't 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 say how. But but again, we we saw other things that happened during Chipno's run that we still have to explain, like um um the whole entire universe being swallowed up <laughs> by the flux. Just yes, about that's true. And then the next day, everything's back to normal. No, or is it quite uh, kind of? Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot to clean up if I'm if we want to get deep on it. So uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. So the doctor wakes up and <laughs> it was all a dream. Patrick Duffy steps out of the shop. <laughs> oh, don't be too wait, 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 wait. Yeah. The first scene of the 60th anniversary is, and and I'm so sorry for saying this because this has nothing bad on Jody Whitaker, <laughs> but we see in the first scene, we see Peter Capaldi transform regenerate into david Tennant, oh boy or into or into uh <laughs> right to shooty true <laughs> and shooty says i had the strangest dream, dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is like off in some dream world the the void or something and he wants to know what the hell is going on here oh, so i mean that, that might be where to go we don't know here <laughs> so how would you retcon lee um I still like the idea of it being something that the master is doing as part of his giant mad plan, but um, 
but I also like the idea of taking advantage of the fact that there is another universe in which that is what happened. That's just not the one that we live in. The one we live in, the doctor that was traveling with his granddaughter is is the, the first doctor, the one who was born on Gallifrey and grew up and was boyhood friends with the master and stuff like that. You know, I, yeah. Uh, we're, we're back to talking about to DC comics again. You know, there, there was a point at which we said, you know, the, the superheroes in our stable in the forties were completely different from their characters who have the same names in the sixties. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Wonder Woman and and Superman, they fought in World War II. Um, you know, um, Wonder Woman's immortal, we guess. Superman, what's his deal? Uh, <laughs> how old are these people? Mm-hmm. And so we said, well, there's multiple Earths there. You know? And then we've had an, an infinitude of uh, parallel Earths and, you know, and it's, um, you know, why not? So here's... Go ahead, Clarence. Well, well I, I'll, I'll let you get your idea out because, I mean, Lee kind of sent me my, my brain going down this mm. this uh, this path, but I'll let you go ahead. With All you. right, let me say this. You should just hire the three of us and let us fix this. <laughs> so here is my retconning of the timeless child. Mm. Everything we saw on screen still happened. Okay? However, the... Um, so, I, so it's a two-part retcon. The timeless child is actually, and I think I've heard other people say this too, or read other people saying this, the timeless child, as the master presented it, was from what he saw in the Matrix, that which inexplicitly stops before it reveals all. So he has assumed that the timeless child is the doctor, the timeless child, in fact, is actually Susan, which would then explain why the doctor was taking her away from Gallifrey because she, he was trying to save her. So the doctor is still the doctor. Susan is the timeless child that is the basis for all Time Lord technology and blah, 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 blah. And Part B of that is if we want to still keep the fugitive doctor as the doctor, she goes into what I think you said, Lee, that she should have been, is between the second and the third doctor. And her mind was manipulated and she didn't know who who she was. And that's why she thinks that she's a previous incarnation she's actually a sub some kind of something or whatnot so but you know this is one of those things where if you accept that retcon then it changes the way we look at something else because when we meet the third doctor he is completely disoriented and that was sort of laid the the groundwork for our heaven to well like we we done it with the second doctor too but this idea that after you're regenerated you don't know who you are but we've we've attributed that to him having just been the second doctor. What if he's just been the fugitive doctor and forced regeneration back into right back yeah. to yeah? And so yeah. that's why he comes out. He falls on his face the first time we see him. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I I quite like that, and I and I, I I love the meta of Susan being the timeless child because when we we know that that pilot episode is called an unearthly child, child. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I like it. Well, we see her before we see the doctor. Yeah, I don't know. So interesting. So there we go. So Clarence, you were going down a rabbit hole. So, um, yeah, I mean, your idea was so good. I don't even know if I should even say what I was thinking. <laughs> but but um, for some reason, I got in my head where it would be really cool if we had an anthology style Doctor Who for so the next ten years. Say something crazy happens, and when the doctor regenerates, um, it splits them into all these different doctors. And for the next 10 years, each season, we get a totally different doctor, totally different adventures, and then somehow they have some grand finale for the, what, Sammy, Sammy did to bring it all <laughs> sure. back together. 
I don't know why they popped in my head, but I thought that would be really cool. Unrelated to what anything we've talked about. I don't know. You've mentioned that before, and I, I do think that's an interesting idea. It would be fun to to recast. I mean, we basically recast the first yeah. Doctor now, thanks to David Bradley. And uh, yeah, wouldn't it be fun now to have somebody else be uh, the second Doctor? Give yeah. Sean Pertwee a crack yeah. in the third Doctor and yes. <laughs> before yes. he gets too old. And, yeah. So on yeah. so forth. Um, that alone. Well, what I do know, and this is not a retcon, it is an established fact that I like to say that I have come to the end of all of my questions. And I'm curious, gentlemen, do you have anything else you would like to bring up before we close? I think everyone should uh, be subscribing to Discussing Trek, which um, is my new favorite podcast. <laughs> and, and not just because I've been on it recently, but just Clarence runs a tight ship over there. It's yeah, like, he keeps a move up. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And Clarence, I have to ask you, if anyone wanted to do that, where might they go? Uh, just like you can follow Discussing Who on any and all social medias, you can do the same with Discussing Trek. So check us out. When you say any and all, <laughs> I, that's kind of saying. I always wonder about that. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's a, it sounds cool. Maybe it's kind of a... Oh, no, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of social media platforms out there. And there's more and more. Well, it wasn't every three. Day. Just, there is that net. You could, are we on X? You're on X? <laughs> uh, we're leaving X. We're, we're down X. <laughs> I already did, so... We're just going to X that for Blue Sky. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. <laughs> so is Musk Twitter's uh, Tibnal? Requiring lines. Ah. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. Musk is well, Twitter's <laughs> jumping the shark. <laughs> or something. Or something. And and that, for everyone listening, <laughs> is the true thing to ponder. And as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. 